It's great to uh, be with you guys. As Devin said, my name is Chris, and uh, I am the pastor at Crosswinds Church. And uh, I just tweeted, or didn't tweet, but I, uh, I uh, sent a text to pa- Pastor Lucas saying that everything was good. The church hadn't fallen apart yet with him being gone, okay? And uh, just really uh, appreciate this opportunity. Um, your pastor and his family um, are an amazing group of people. And uh, uh, your pastor, Lucas, does he have this in a certain place? Because I'm going to move it. All right, awesome. Um, uh, he has become a great friend. And uh, I hope he, didn't st- he doesn't stand behind there because you can guarantee I'm not. Um, but um, he has become a great friend along with Pastor Heath and Pastor George and um, just the unity that God has been using to bring us together. And what we hope is that it doesn't end there. That it doesn't just end with our friendship. Because the reality of it is, is that although we represent a church, we represent something even more than that. We, we represent the body of Christ. And we hope that it goes further than just our relationships with each other. Our families had dinner together uh, just a few months ago and had a great opportunity just to hang out. And we hope that this is the beginning of something great. We hope to eventually serve all of Brunswick County together one day. We hope to eventually do a serve, a combined service where we all Four churches come together and do a service together uh, as well because we believe that there's something so much bigger than just us as individual churches. That God has something so much more. And He wants to do something in Brunswick County to show people who don't know Jesus that the church can work together. You see, because we're not in competition, you, you guys. I hope that people won't come to Crosswinds because they go to Reach Community Church or they go to, uh, they go to the point or they come to Coastal Vineyard. And we pray for you guys quite often. We pray for you. We pray for your leader. We pray for your, uh, your leaders and believe that God has something great for every single one of us. So what a privilege it is. Listen, it's very rare for a pastor to give up his pulpit. You don't typically trust other people to come in and share, but that shows that uh, between, at least between the four of us, and we hope that this network of churches grows as the days go by, because I believe that this is just the beginning. But what I love is all four of our, at least the four of us, our hearts are in the same place. We love Jesus, and we love His church, and we love you guys. And believe that God has something even greater for us. And we hope that what happens is you run into people and you say, Hey man, you're from Crosswinds. What are you doing down in Shalot? Hey, what are, you know, people from Crosswinds, they run into you guys and say, Hey, what are you doing up here in Leland? But we're working together to advance the kingdom. And we believe in that. So thank you for the privilege of that and believing that our hearts are beating the same. I love that not one of us are threatened by the other one coming in and preaching at their own church. And we believe that this is going to go so much further 
than what we even can begin to even fathom or even dream of what God might do when the church comes together and is not in competition. You hear what I'm saying? So, what a great... If this is your first time, please come back next week. Pastor Lucas is so much better preacher than me, okay? Don't not come back because you're like, well, Pastor Lucas is like him. Gosh, I'm not coming back, okay? Please come back and, and hear Pastor Lucas. Um, as you already know, we are in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. We kind of dreamed this up a couple of months ago where we would all be preaching a, a portion of the passage from the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and so this morning, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be looking at uh, just a couple of passages there um, as Jesus, we, if, uh, just to give, lay a foundation for this passage, Jesus had taken his disciples up on the mountain, okay, that's why it's called Sermon on the Mount, so they're hanging out, Jesus is there hanging out with his disciples, hanging out with people who were following him, and so Jesus, and this is what we've been saying quite regularly, is that Jesus was able to preach this sermon in one setting. Well, it takes us a whole lot of weeks to preach it, okay? Jesus was a much better teacher than we ever thought about being. So it takes us a lot longer to try and figure out what Jesus was saying. But here's what I love about this specific passage. If you read through the Sermon on the Mount, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't already been doing that, read through chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. And when you're done reading it, read it again. And when you're done reading it, read it again. Because these are things that Jesus took and he gave to his disciples in the very end of this chapter 7 before Jesus wraps it all up and says, okay guys, we're done up here on the mountain. We've got to go back down on the mountain. We've got to go down from the mountain. Jesus says this. Listen, remember this. He said, what I've just given you, now go and live. That's uh, Pastor Chris' paraphrase, okay? He said, all these things that I've given you, now you as the church, as the followers, as disciples of Christ, now you're to go and live these things out. And that's what I love about Jesus. He told us what to do, and what was his expectation? Go and do it. Go and do it. He may, you know what? Sometimes the church, we complicate things. We make it harder than it really is when Jesus just said, hey, this is what I want you to do, now go and do it. And that's one of the things that we're going to actually talk about this morning. And here's what I believe about every time that we open open God's Word, that if you'll pay attention, the Holy Spirit will jack you up. No, I'm serious. If you'll pay attention... If you'll get into the Word, if you'll open the Bible on a regular basis, I believe, and you will make it a valuable, a very valuable thing in your life. Listen, the Word of God needs to be the most valuable thing you own. If you lose everything else, you need to know that the Word of God is the most valuable thing that you own in your life right now. I don't care if your house is worth a million dollars. I don't care if it's worth $27 million. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you drive the nicest car there is in America. It will not be more valuable than what the Word of God will be in your life. And you have to make it the most valuable thing. If you lose everything else, the Word of God, and a relationship with God is the most valuable thing that you have in this life. Because everything else will pass away. 
everything else will pass away. So I wanted to start this morning by reading a passage out of 2 Timothy. We're going to actually jump into Matthew chapter 6, but I wanted to start to kind of lay the foundation this morning out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and it says this. But mark this, listen, this is taking our culture that we live in today, and it is essentially identifying it to a T. It's saying everything that we know to be true. And the scriptures were written thousands of years ago, okay? And Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. God knew exactly what he was doing when he was writing the word of God. He knew exactly where we would be today. He knew exactly where you would be today. And so he's trying to give you a guide to go by when we read his word. And so 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7 says this, But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Shocker. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. They will be boastful. They will be proud. They will be abusive. They will be disobedient to their parents. Shocker. They will be ungrateful. They will be unholy. They will be without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. They will be treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, having a form of godliness. Listen, if we're not careful in the church, we can have a form of godliness, but not actually be godly. You can actually show up here every single Sunday. You can hear the word preached. You can raise your hands and and you can sing all you want. You can pat yourself on the back and you can go home and live however you want. That means you have a form of godliness. You're not actually being godly. You can go through the motions. Well, hey, listen. And Pastor Lucas and I actually talked about this this past week. Is that, you know what? We've made church too easy. We've made following Jesus too easy. The church has said, oh, if you just come and follow Jesus, then everything's going to be okay. You know what? Every one of the disciples died. Paul spent the majority of his ministry in jail. So you tell me if following Jesus is all that easy. When we just said, oh, just come to church, if you'll just pray this simple prayer, and if you'll just show up every Sunday, if you'll serve the kids, if you'll serve coffee, if you'll greet someone at the door, if you'll go home, pat yourself on the back, but never be changed, then you have a form of godliness here today. You may not actually have... I'm not, I'm, I'm walking lightly, but you may not actually have a relationship with God. You're just going through the motions. You see, because our world values going through the motions. When in the church, we've even valued in the church going through the motions. I grew up in the church. Man, I was, I, I was in the church from the time I was a young kid. My parents made me wear a suit and tie, or not a suit, but a tie every Sunday to church. Because that was what you were supposed to do, right? How many of you grew up in that culture? Every Sunday, you went to church, and man, you had to have a tie on. Man, you could not wear shorts to church. I would be crucified if I went to church in jeans. They'd be like, no, man, you can't come in here. 
You know, you couldn't go to movies. You couldn't go anywhere on Sunday, right? You had to go home and take a nap. That's right. I'm like, a nap? I don't want to take a nap. I want to play basketball. You can't play basketball. It's Sunday. And so there were things that we had to do. And listen, but here's the problem, is that in the early days of the church, we valued an outward appearance, but we didn't value what was actually in the heart. And so we put on our suit and tie and we come to church and we pretend to be somebody that we're not. Man, the church is really good at that. And so as I was growing up, I didn't know, I I knew God had called me to be a pastor, but I didn't want to be that pastor. I didn't want to be a part of that church. But listen, I have to be very careful because I understand that In the older days, people just did what they knew, okay? I'm not here to bash the church because when we bash the church, and God's been teaching me this last week, when we bash the church, you know what we're doing? We're bashing the bride of Christ. Let me tell you something. Somebody starts bashing my bride, you know what's going to happen? Oh, yeah. It's going to be on. And so I have to be very careful because I grew up in the church and didn't necessarily like that culture, but let's, let's realize this. Is that God has created the body of Christ, the church, and He has no plan B for taking the gospel to the world. We are it. As jacked up and as messed up as every single one of us are, as jacked up and as messed up as the disciples were, He's taken us and He's using us to make a difference in the world. So Jesus is trying to teach the disciples some of these things. He's saying, you know what? The culture that you're going to live in, it's messed up. Listen, we cannot expect unchurched, non-churched, de-churched, non-Christians to act like Christians. They're not going to do it. We don't do it half the time. And we have to... Do and say the things that God prompts us to, but we let God be their conviction. Let Him be the one who changes. I can't change a single one of you here today, but God can. And I believe that if you'll let Him, He'll jack you up even today, even if this is your 150. Listen, I don't listen to a lot. I don't remember a lot of messages I heard as a kid. You probably don't even remember a message that Pastor Lucas preached two months ago. And I'm not trying to downplay it because I'd go and crosswind and say the same thing. A few months ago, I actually preached the exact same message that I preached like three months earlier. Not a single person knew it. Now, I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) But I believe that God works in ways that I never have an idea of how He wants to work. And I may say something here this morning that you don't like. I may say something that you have no interest in, but you know what? I know that God's Spirit can tell you what you need to hear this morning. And we live in a culture that says we want to make everything else more valuable than God. You see, life is a stewardship. Everything that you've been given today, right now, what you have right now, whether it's a lot, whether it's a little, 
everything that you have, you only have because God has given it to you. The house that you have, the money that you have, the job that you may or may not have. And God allows all those things into our life for us to steward every single part of those things. Francis Chan, who writes a great book, who writes a bunch of great books, said this one time, gave this quote. He said this. He said, Our fear as humans is not the fear of failure, but our greatest fear is in failing or, or succeeding at the things that don't really matter. Because life is a stewardship. Listen, I don't know whether you know it or not, but every single one of you have an end date to your life. Your life is going to come to an end at some point. You're not going to exist forever in this present life. Had a, a friend of mine, a guy, not really a friend, but a guy that I knew um, when, when I was going through like uh, middle school and high school, um, I was had the God afforded me the opportunity to be able to coach him in basketball and 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 teach him a few things and just just about a month or so ago he was uh, tw- he's 24 25 years old a month ago he's on a missions trip in Jamaica standing on a waterfall this little waterfall if you ever been to Jamaica they have these little waterfalls that you can climb up standing there on the top of one of this water on this waterfall just stand there talking with another guy. Tree branch falls, hits him in the head. He falls back, hits his head on concrete block, dies. That's why James says life is but a mist. It's but a vapor. You're here today and gone tomorrow. You're here today and gone tomorrow. So we have to steward the time that we've been given because you're not promised one, you're not promised another minute, another hour, another day, another week, another year. You're not promised any of that. And so we have to steward and we have to say, what are the things that are going to be valuable in my life? What are the things that God wants to be valuable in my life? I've said a lot of that to say this. Is in Ephesians chapter 5, it says that we are to make the most of every opportunity. It says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And the writer of Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. You see, everything that you have been given in the past, everything that you've been given today, everything that you have in the future is a gift from God. And you have been given the opportunity to steward those things. Now, some of those gifts, listen, some of those gifts seem broken, don't they? Some things that we go through in life, we're like, that just doesn't make sense to me. How is that a gift from God? But God takes everything that he allows into our life and he uses it for our growth. And for us to be able to know Him more. So if you're walking through a hard time today, embrace it. Know that God is going to value it. Because know that God is teaching you and positioning you and preparing you for something even greater. So the big idea for this morning is this. Fight for what matters most. 
fight for what matters most. God knows that for most of us, temporary treasures or even temporary pleasures will be the number one competitor for our hearts. Temporary treasures or temporary pleasures will be the number one competitor for your heart. So Matthew chapter 6. Here, we, you like, are you getting, ever getting to the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, Pastor Lucas said I had like an hour to preach. Is that true? I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. Matthew 6, verse 19. So it says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and where rust, rust destroys them or where thieves break in and steal. But store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, listen, wherever your treasure is, there your heart, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. And he goes on to say, and I thought it was interesting how Jesus kind of stuck this in the middle of uh, another passage at the end of this. He goes, so it kind of takes a turn. Your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. When When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep the darkness is. So I'm like, okay, Jesus, you're talking about treasures, like we're supposed to store up treasures in heaven, but then you throw out this whole thing about the light and about your eyes. Well, you know why? Because everything we see, right, your heart doesn't get tied to it until you you see it. So you're... I see something, your heart gets attached to it, and then what leads from their own is that all of a sudden, then then an action comes out of it. You see what I'm saying? So Jesus was really smart, duh. We see it, our heart gets attached to it, and then something out of that, okay? The first time I saw my wife, it was like, whoa, right? And then all of a sudden, my heart got attached and then from that point on, I, w- I wanted a relationship with her. And then I wanted to marry her. And then there was the physical attraction. I mean, that started early on too, but you know what I'm saying. You know what happens after marriage, right? It, yeah, it's good. Um, and so that's kind of how things start. But then Jesus kind of comes back. He says this in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate the one, and you will love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And Jesus says this, you cannot serve both God and money. So he jumps back into the whole treasure principle that he's talking about a few verses earlier. So he throws in the I part. He says you can't serve two masters. And then he says, well, but you can't serve both God and money. And so he jumps back into the treasure piece. So... Here's what God taught me out of it that I believe that God wanted me to share with you this morning. What is it that you value in life? What is it that you value in life? What is it that you would say is a treasure to you? If you were to look at that passage and say that we're not supposed to store up treasures in heaven, I mean, on earth, 
but we're to store up treasures in heaven, then what does that look like for you? Because the treasure is something of value. It's something that you have that's valuable, that means something to you. See, in our culture, we have put value on temporary things, haven't we? Our culture has said, these are the things that need to be valuable to you. Your money needs to be valuable to you. Side note, when you die, they're not going to hook a U-Haul up to your hearse and pull it to the graveside with your money in it. I, I saw this, this great uh, little illustration this past week. This, this man had told his wife that he wanted all of his money that he had made to be buried with him. Some of you guys probably saw this. It was on social media. And so, uh, so she took all his money. The man died, and to fulfill his wish, she wanted to fulfill his wish. So she took all the money to the bank. She deposited it in her account. She wrote the check and put it in his casket. <laughs> Smart woman, right? Smart woman. Listen, you can't take it with you. You can't. Take it with you. But our, but our culture says, man, put a high priority. If you have a lot of money, then you're a person of power, of prestige. You know, you've got some. You're somebody. In this culture, you're somebody if you have money. You know, power. We need to have, we, we need to want the highest position in the company. We got we to, gotta, you know, crawl over people if we have to, to get in certain positions. We are people of influence if we have possessions. If we have a nice house and we have a nice car and we have all these things, then that's valuable. Then we're valuable people. And listen, I'm not saying it's wrong to have nice things. Don't get me wrong. Because it's okay, it's great to have nice things as long as you steward them and use them for God's glory and nothing else. Because God gave them to you and he can take them away. The other high value that we, the other, the other thing in our culture that we put a high value on is this, sex. We put a high value on sex. Sadly enough, the porn industry is a billion dollar industry. You say that's a high value to our culture? Yeah, it is. even in the church. Guard yourself against putting value on things that are only temporary pleasures. Because, you see, you're in a battle for your heart. The enemy wants to do everything he can to win your heart. If he can win your heart, he can win every part of you. If he can win your eyes, it leads to your heart. It leads to your actions. There are four specific things. You see, and, and all those things, they only become counterfeit gods. Money is a counterfeit god. Power is a counterfeit god. Our possessions, they're counterfeit gods. I had a discussion with my kids last night. Yesterday was my birthday. And for my birthday, I wanted to just be able to talk to the family. I wanted to sit down and us talk about what this actually means. And I said, what are the things that are valuable to us? 
What are we going to value as a family? Because you know what? We can put a high value on our house. If you don't know our story, about seven, eight years ago, my family and I were living in New York at the time. I'm not from New York. I'm from North Carolina. I love people from New York, but I don't like the cold weather and the snow. And um, God woke me up middle of the morning, 3.28 a.m., and said, I want you to move to Wilmington, North Carolina, and start a church. I was living in Corning, New York at the time. And in that moment, I had a crisis of belief. What am I going to believe about what God's telling me to do? Am I going to value my comfort zone? I didn't want to plant a church. I didn't want to lead a church. I had no desire to do that. I was working in youth ministry. I wanted to work with teenagers till I was 65 and then retire. I don't know if that ever happens, but that's what I wanted. But if my house was of value to me, if those relationships were more valuable, if what I had was more valuable, you know what? I would have stayed in New York. But I had to say, what's going to be valuable to me? And I had to say to my family last night, listen, what if God tells me to give our car away? We have two cars. We have three drivers and another one that's getting ready to drive. And we can't all four drive at the same time. What if God tells us to give our second car away? Are we okay with that? Or are you as a teenager going to say, well, I won't have a car. Well, you know what? You don't have a car right now, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) What if God tells us to sell our house? Are we so tied to our house that we can't say, whatever, God, okay. Now, I had to say, okay, kids, I'm not saying we're up and moving again. We're, we're staying here. But if God leads us to that point, here's what I want you to know. Our value is more on what God wants us to do than what we want to do. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. So I want to give you kind of four um, specific things that, um, that I believe that God speaks about. They're not exhaustive, but they are things in Scripture that God talks about that should be of value to us. That should be our greatest treasure. And the first one is this, is the treasure of relationships. You've been given relationships in your life, family relationships, friendships, this church as a body, maybe people out in the community. You've been given the value of relationships. Obviously, the most important treasure in a relationship in your life should be your relationship with Christ because that's where it all begins. And then out of there, out of that relationship with Christ, if you had to hold a high value of your relationship with Christ, then everything else kind of flows out of that. So treasure the relationships. How many times in our family do we take advantage of the fact that we live with people 24-7? And then something happens to them and we're like, crap, I wish I would have done something different. You see, relationships are really important. And that's the reason Jesus gave us relationships. Not only the ability to have a relationship with him, but the ability to have a relationships with our family, with our friends, with each other. Let's hold those in high value. The other treasure is the treasure of time. You've been given an allotted amount of time. And if I were to stretch a, a rope from this wall all the way to that wall, and that was kind of your life and eternity attached to that, 
your lifespan that you actually lead, that means the day that you were born to the day that you die would probably be about this in reality. As it connects to eternity. Because eternity is forever. And so where do you want to spend that eternity? Because a lot of that is de- determined by what are you going to give value to in your life? Do you want eternity to be spent with God? Or do you want eternity to be spent? And I, you know, I know the culture doesn't, it's not, this is not a popular thing, but there is a real thing that exists called hell. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, that's where it's going. But it depends on what you're going to put as a high value right now. In this life and in this time, what's going to be valuable to you? Is your relationship with God going to be valuable? Is your relationship with your family going to be valuable? You know that there are people in our culture who are selling their family down the road because of money, because of power, because of possessions, because of sex. I can't tell you how many families I know of where the father has chosen sex over his family. How jacked up is that in our culture? You guys are probably saying, man, this pastor is mad. (laughs) I'm really not, man. This stuff just jacks me up. When did sex ever become more valuable than our families? And then our relationship with the pastors are selling their soul for sex. And why do do we think the world doesn't want anything to do with the church? Because the word of God and the gospel is not actually changing us. We're coming in the church. We're patting ourselves on the back. We're singing our good songs. And we're going out. We're living whatever the heck we want to. And not allowing God to actually change us. No wonder the world doesn't want anything to do with us. You know what? I, don't, I really don't blame them. Until we decide that we're going to actually live as Jesus taught. I won't make sex outside of my marriage more valuable than my marriage or my family. I'm not going to make money more valuable than my relationship with my family or my relationship with God. Because the only things those, those things lead to are counterfeit gods. He's given us the treasure of time. James 4.14 says... What is your life? It's but a mist. It's but a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Time is of high value. And how are you going to use the treasure of time that you've been given? Can can I get real for you for just a moment? And I know some of this is just going to get all up in your grill, but oh well. How much time you spend on Facebook? How much time you spend on social media, on your phone? Like, I mean, some of you should have your phone just attached here and just wrap a band around it and just walk around like this. You see, because we've let other things become more valuable. I mean, listen, the teen culture is phone, 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 phone. I mean, they'll sit within two seats of each other, and they won't talk, but they'll text back and forth. I'm like, seriously, just talk. They can't talk because they don't know how to talk. Sorry if I'm saying some things about people that in here that you don't like. But what you've done as a teenager, you've put more value 
in your phone than you have in your own family relationships. Listen, go home today, put the flipping phone down, and talk to your mom and dad. Mom, dad, you can thank me for that one later. You can pay me as I go out the door. The, the treasure of time. Because listen, teenagers, one day that parent won't be there anymore. And you'll wish you had spent time with them. You'll wish you would have put your flipping phone down and spent some time with them. Because you'll be having a funeral service for them. Same goes. Mom and dad, put the flipping phone down and have a relationship with your kids. Because listen, God may choose for them to go before you. The treasure of time. The treasure of talent. God's given you something. He's given you an ability, a talent. Do something with it. If you're a construction worker, do something with it. If you're a teacher, holy cow, do you have an opportunity to influence the next generation. I know, I know. They say, well, the teachers can't, you can't say those kind of things. I beg to differ. You live it out in front of them. You may not have to come out of your mouth, but it can be lived by your life. If you're a businessman, if you're a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter. If you're a garbage collector, I don't care. You've been given an opportunity, a talent. You've been given time. You've been given relationships. You have an opportunity. And in 1 Peter 4.10 it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I believe I have four minutes left, so I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to start wrapping it up. The last treasure is this, and I wrestled with this one, but God talks a lot about money, doesn't he? I mean, it's like one of the second most things in the Bible that he actually talks about because he knew, he knew how important it would be in our culture. And so the treasure of financial stewardship is a treasure that you've been given. You've been given something financially. So you've been given relationships, you've been given time, you've been given uh, talents, gifts, and you've also been given some form of a financial something or another that you have to steward. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 19 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world. And listen, if you are, hear my voice this morning, you're a rich person. You're in the top 1% richest people in the world. Because trust me, there's not a single one of you in here that lives on $2 a day. The problem is, is how we steward what God's been given us. Because the problem is, listen, we've become so attached to money that we feel the need to have a cell phone even when we can't afford a cell phone. I, go to Jama I used to go to Jamaica all the time, and I'm not trying to throw these people under the bus, but those people had nothing. But you know what they had? A cell phone. We got people who live in our county and in our communities. They can't pay their light bill, but they got a cell phone. But we haven't learned to steward the things that God has given us. And I'm not trying to give you a hard time like if that's you. 
I, here's what I'm trying to say to you. Learn to steward what God's, been, what God's given you. And we have to be okay with not having. If you can't afford a car, don't go out and get a car payment. You're going to have to pay. Listen, those car payments, they come every month. They don't stop until it's totally paid off. Treasure of financial stewardship. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to, be, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the, for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Man, those things are really important. Jesus ran into this guy, and the guy said, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Guy walked away because he was a rich man. He couldn't, get rid, he couldn't get rid of the things he had. What if God tells us to give everything away? As a church, a few months ago, we had what I call a difficult season in the life of the church. I had a few staff members leave. Some people were like, what's going on at the church? One of them just happened to be my nephew on staff. They are like, man, the nephew doesn't even like his own pastor. He left. People stopped giving. Not totally, but people, giving went down. Numbers went down. It was about November, December time frame. God said to me, Chris and the church give away like $5,000. I'm like, excuse me? I don't have $5,000. God kept saying, no, you give $5,000 away. I sat with the staff. I said, listen, staff, this is what God's told us. I said, what do you guys think? They're like, let's do it. We cannot not do it. And I said, hold on. You realize that if we give that money away, every one of our salaries has a potential to take a hit. So you're going to take a hit if this doesn't work out. Listen, just because God calls you to do things doesn't always mean it's going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. You hear what I'm saying? Just because he asks you to give money away doesn't always mean that he's going to give it back to you. But you know what we did? We gave that money away. And you know what God did? Boom. Our giving went skyrocketed. And I'm just like, Okay, God, he's trying to teach me something. When you tell me to do it, I'm going to do it, period. You see, because we got to be financial stewards. God knows everything that we need. So when you value the right things, it enables you to respond in obedience when God leads. Because when we put the value on other things, you know what happens? We start using excuses as to why not to be obedient to God. Well, my house is way worth too much. I owe too much on my car. I got all this. I've got to do this. I've got to be here. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, just shut up and follow God and do what He's telling you to do. Eliminate the excuses. And you do that by stewarding the things that God has given you. Put yourself in a position to respond when God leads. And you can only do that when you decide what you're actually going to make as a high value in your life. So here's the challenge. First of all, where will you find your value from? Where's your value? 
Is your value in your work, what you do, your trade? Or is your value in Christ and who He created you to be? What things will you give value to in your life and your family? I want to encourage you to go home today. If it's just you and your husband or you and your wife at lunch, say, hey, what are the things that we're going to value? If you have a family, sit down with the family and say, hey, what are the things that we're going to value in life? What are the things that are going to be important to us? And if you follow God's example and what he teaches us, you'll find that the worldly things, the things that the world teaches us are valuable, they're not all that valuable anymore. And that we just have to learn to steward them. And the next question would be, are there temporary things that you have made more valuable than God? Temporary things that you've made more valuable than God. Make a decision today to value what God values. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray. What are you going to value? This is between you and God. I'm not going to call you down to the altar to cry and wail. This is between you and God right here. This moment, this moment could potentially, if you'll let it, it'll, it could change your life forever. If you put the value on the, on the wrong things in your life, you can walk out of these doors and you can say, I'm going to value what God values, and that could potentially change your life forever if you'll do that. So this is that moment between you and God. Maybe you're a teenager and you've put the wrong value on things. Maybe you care more about the clothes that you wear, the name brand on them, than you care about anything else. Maybe you care more about your stupid phone, your Facebook, your Instagram, your Snapchat, whatever. Maybe you're a mom or a dad and you have valued your job more than your family. Maybe you're a man and you have valued sex over your family. And this morning you can turn around and go the other direction today. Maybe you've put more value in your home or more valuable, more value in your car or what you do as a trade and you've lessened the value of God in your life. This is your moment to start over, to turn around, to redirect, to change directions. And this is your moment to value, to begin to value what God values and store up treasures in heaven where, ru- where rust, where moths and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not come in and steal. This is your time to store up treasures in heaven. And this is that beginning moment. What are you going to do? Are you going to fight for what matters the most. God, thank you because I know that your Holy Spirit has been here and God, I know that you're trying to speak into every one of our lives, including myself. 
And God, I desire in my heart to make things that you value. That's what I want to make valuable in my life. I don't want to give temporary things, temporary pleasures more value than what they should have. I don't want the counterfeit gods. God, would you work in us today? And as we walk out those back doors and this church steps into this community this next week, may they position themselves to respond And may they add value to this community, God, because you're adding value to their life and they're wanting the things that you care about to be valuable to them because their relationship with you is valuable. Their time is valuable. Their gifts are valuable. And they're stewarding the resources that you've given them. God, we can only do this with your help. And so may we walk out these doors today and may you lead us and guide us and challenge us to live out your word. As James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And God, we'll be sure to give you the glory and the honor and praise for who you are. God, I pray for Coastal Vineyard. Their best days are ahead. God, I pray that Ephesians 3.20 passage, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within this body right here. God, that you would blow their minds with miracles, with physical healings, with spiritual healings, God, with financial healings. And would you just show them yourself as they decide to make you the most valuable thing in their life. In your name I pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for the opportunity. And may God's Spirit give you something today to take and live out. Thanks, Devin.